If you'd like to get involved with Shoreditch Radio, or if you run any local projects or events, please contact us at info at shoreditchradio.co.uk. Esky boy. Don't know. I'll tell my people. Hello, we're Beanbot. Hi, this is Dean from Lois and the Love. Uh, this is Roman from Breton. I am um, Adam Spartak. I'm Orlando from the Maccabees. I am Colin Peters. I'm Lewis from Chapel Club. Uh, hi, this is Guy from Zulu Winter. Hello, this is Carl Barat. Oh! Hey, this is Rita Ora, and you're listening to Shoreditch Radio. Yes! about to enter a bizarre world full of strange imaginary people living fake lives in a city some of you may know but none of you will recognize welcome to Lester welcome to the late night niche but be warned you enter at your own risk the niche is a place where reality is exaggerated and imagination is warped into forms which disturb distress and delight. It is the place where we live. Welcome, everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, that'd be cool, man. Cheers. Yeah, see you in a bit. Bye. So, see, how odd was that? So yeah, that was Celebration, uh, Willie Mason and Jamie Woon. Thank you very much. It's me and Joe, without James this week, doing Late Night Niche here. Recorded, unfortunately not live, so you can't phone in and, you know, complain. Give us, a, give us live abuse. Um, but again, that's more of a, a thing we, we do when James is here. Yeah, make sure you uh, try and find us on, um, on the internet. What have we got now? Podcasts. We've got podcasts, we're on Mixcloud. So you can, you can listen live, as you are obviously doing right now on Tuesday at 9, or, you know, you can Well, they might not necessarily be, because if they're listening to the podcast... Uh, go on. Sorry. Or, you know, <laughs> if you're not listening live right now, um, you're listening to a podcast, which you just downloaded on your phone, and you can listen on the way to work, or doing an errand, or whatever. Yeah, like chilling in the beer garden, drinking some yeah. London Frills Brewery uh, IPA. Short at Triangle. Yeah. yeah, not exactly sponsored by, because that would obviously be a contravention of... Uh, you know, free music and, and things like that. But obviously they're very kind to uh, fuel our fire. I'd say, say enable. Enable us, yeah. I like it. Um, well, yeah, we've got a good show for you, hopefully, uh, even the, even without the presence of James, who is unfortunately terribly, terribly ill. Uh, yeah, well, you were last week, and it kind of worries me about what will happen. What, the bad things coming freeze, you think? Well, gonna I think struck what's, what's going to happen to me next time we have a show, I'm going to... I think you just got a free pass. Like, even if you're fine, you just don't have to come. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> fuck you guys. Yeah, we I just have to come. I'm not showing up. Um, but yeah, we're going to have a pop song of the week in a minute, um, which is obviously, if you're a regular listener, something that you'll be familiar with. And uh, we don't re- we have a pretty varied selection of music here on the show, but yeah. um, we have a, a regular pop song um, every week just to, to engage with the masses. Yeah, you know, bring the kids in and. and uh, try and explain um, what we like about it, what we don't like about it. Um, we've also got a film review, um, which we also have every time. Joe, yeah. what are you doing this week? I'm doing Quentin Tarantino's eighth film, The Hateful Eight. What a coincidence is that? Is it a coincidence? No, nothing's ever a coincidence with Quentin. Is it not? I don't know, I just made that up, it sounded all right, didn't Yeah, it? I like it. Yeah. Uh, we've also got a book review, um, I'm doing... Uh, what is it? War and Peace. War and Peace, Goodness yeah. Goodness me, yeah. I've just literally uh, gone through the whole of it, um, unabridged. Smashed it out. I mean, it's deep, mate. I will go into it a little bit. I'll try not to uh, run on for too long with it because it's obviously like sixty hours of reading. Like, there's a lot there. Marshall knows uh, it's sixty hours of reading exactly, don't you? Because I listened to the audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually bother to read it. Um, but hey, you only watch the TV, so don't judge me. Um, then obviously we've got life's amazing as well. We'll hopefully be um, getting hold of James uh, at his, you know in his sick bed for that Um, he's hopefully got something for us Um, and maybe just maybe we can get uh, you involved um, with a a special studio guest this week Um, we've got our first and only groupie here uh, with us Um, and uh, we want to see if we can get her involved in some of the conversation yeah over the next two hours we'll try and slowly yeah she's quite sensitive to uh, sweeping generalisations etc so um, we'll try and get her involved just more basic yeah like incense her to, to speak live on the radio um, but uh, without further ado, let's get on with it and have Craig David and Big Nasty with When the Baseline Drops. Pop Craig song of the week. David. Lodge of the Ravens, the Ravens, the Ratsai. Yeah, I see that. Feels good around here. Craig David. All my ladies. Big Nasty. Yeah, it's about to go down. 
Obviously, that was Craig David. Uh, not at all, um, you know, getting any more airplay out of the stuff that he did with Artful Dodger back in the day. No, I think he was trying to, you know, get a new sound, reinvent himself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but uh, like we were saying here in the studio during the song, whilst he was playing, lovely voice. What a lovely voice the boy has. Not that he's a boy anymore, he's like an old geezer. Yeah. But not nearly as old as you would imagine him to be, seeing as he was pretty big He was about like 18 when he first ago. came yeah, out. That's, yeah. that's why. Um, but uh, he's just kind of looked like I'm grown up for a long time now. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, what was it that Elton John said he was one of the best vocalists of his generation or produced by the United Kingdom ever? Yeah. Um, so, you know. High praise. From... High praise, but, you know, he's not exactly stretching himself, I don't think, um, with this new one. But it's, it's a good, uh, well, you listen to the rest of the pop songs uh, as I did earlier this morning on the train and, um, yeah, you know, it's... It's the best of the bunch. Yeah, and but he's he's also had a great. I don't know if it's him or his PR team, but he's got like he's come back and he's just been smashing loads of interviews on like everywhere. Mm. He's been on like live lounge a couple of times, I think, just all over the radio. Yeah. Um, I listened to one of his live lounges, and then he did like the classic Craig David rapping, where you're just like, oh yeah, he's still like, okay at rapping. He's got a good flow, but he's so posh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you just imagine him like hanging around with all well big nasty and etc etc and they're all just like oh yeah Craig David I remember you from back in the day kind of thing and it's like oh yes uh, I was quite big back then <laughs> you'll be aware of some of my uh, songs you know Rewind uh, classic Whoa. from Southampton is he really? yeah that's where my dad's from oh yeah, go you saints right um, so anyway after that um, we've got a slightly different song um, this is one of your selection shows Cross 110th Street yeah, it's um, I have a brilliant because I watched Jackie Brown a few weeks ago. Great movie. A great movie, and um, this is in the beginning and end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's the end credits and the beginning credits, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. All right, um, well, yeah, Bobby Womack. Yeah. Let's hit it. So, uh, yeah, Bobby Womack there with Across 110th Street. Um, and then Hone with Gone Are The Days. Now, this song um, is one that Spotify has been forcing down my throat for quite some time now. I think it's all right, but they've been really pushing it's it. Like advertising it or, like, suggesting it? Suggesting heavily. it heavily in my direction. Uh, every, Giving you a wink and a nudge. Every week there's a Hone song in my uh, Discover This Week playlist and, and related to every artist I seem to listen to, Hone keeps coming up. Um, but uh, they're not hugely popular yet. They might yet become. I was going to say, if Spotify are pushing them that much. They're pushing them at me, certainly. I think they really think that I like 
I'm going to like Hone a lot, but they're, they're all right. Um, but yeah, now uh, onto the film review, Joe. Yeah, so I saw this Wednesday, I saw The Hateful Eight. So as I said earlier, Quentin Tarantino's eighth film. And, um, you know, it's three hours long with a ten minute intermission. So it's, <laughs> it's got an intermission? It has, yeah. Oh, so it's filmed in, so it's got quite an old style feel. So it's three hours long with a ten minute intermission and it's got, you know, and in, in its kind of bus billboards, it says you can see it in glorious 70 millimeter. Yeah. So it's filmed in like old style, like Panavision. So the ratio is quite is very very wide, right? Um, and like letterboxy. Yeah, it's letterboxy, okay. which is which I think one of the better things about it. It's quite cool. You have to you're kind of almost at the beginning you're kind of scanning across the screen, kind of looking across it. Um, and so it's set in kind of post U.S. Civil War Wyoming during a snow blizzard, um, and through various circumstances, eight people find themselves um, taking refuge in a place called Minnie's Haberdashery. Um, and Kurt Russell, who is a bounty hunter. <laughs> is he still alive? He is still alive, yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Why um, him and why Terry Wogan? I mean, it's not fair, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Big up radio legend, Terry Wogan. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, but he is bringing in um, a, a one of his bounties alive, because that's what he does. He's a hangman. He brings them in to hang. Um, and he is worried that one of the pe- one or more of the people inside Minnie's haberdashery is not what they seem, and and in cahoots with Daisy Domagoo. What a fantastic word! Yeah, thank you. A, a moment of reverie there. So, <laughs> in cahoots. Um, so it, it so it plays out basically within this one room. Um, apart from apart from the like forty minutes they take to actually get to the room. Um, and that's so I, I'll start with the good stuff actually the good stuff <laughs> yeah don't slam it straight yeah. yeah. sort of the good stuff the good stuff is that I like the the Panavision I think that's quite cool the, yeah. the way it's filmed it's got a great soundtrack I think it's good the guy's got Emilio Morconi he won the Golden Globe um, for best original score um, which some like Quentin Tarantino accepted it for him because he wasn't there and was like hammered and I was like, this guy isn't, he's crazy, he's not ghetto. I was like, what the fuck are you even saying? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Foxx even went up to the mic after he was presenting it. I was like, ghetto? <laughs> so he's got a great score. Um, and as ever with a Tarantino script, Samuel L. Jackson is the best thing about the film. Oh, he's in it, is he? Yeah, he Classic. is. And he's like, he's got some proper Tarantino Samuel L. Jackson speeches. Nice. Where he just kind of commands the room completely. Yeah. Um, and he's he's definitely on form, and like, and you can see it more because he has hair in this, and he's got a beard. Like, he's pretty great. He's quite old. Now. He's an old guy. I think he must be about seventy now. Well, he's, I think he's well in excess of seventy. Yeah. Crack on, and I'll find out for you. Yeah, please do. So Samuel Jackson is great. Um, it is, you know, the the dialogue is good, but it's oh. too long. Sorry, Sam. He's sixty-seven. He's sixty-seven. Yeah. Oh, okay, he's sixty-seven. Um, but he's approaching 70. He's a, he's not a young buck. He's grey. He's grey, yeah. Um, but it's it's too long, especially the first half, like pre-intermission. Um, it takes some ages to even ever get to uh, Minnie's haberdashery. And, you know, I actually, you do kind of come to accept it because you realise Tarantino doesn't care about any of his characters. Mm. But at first, you're quite taken aback at the kind of general level of violence towards women, women or woman, I should say, Daisy Domagoo, they just kind of hear about quite a bit. Indiscriminately. Yeah. And you're just like, fucking hell. Especially Joe. He definitely doesn't like that sort of thing. No, I don't. Um, Obviously, I love it. (laughs) It also, you know, doesn't help Tarantino's reputation. And in each film, there's kind of, you know, contextual basis for it. But accusations that he is kind of obsessed he with dropping the, dropping the N-word as much as he possibly oh, can. Oh, he said that again, is he? Um, and yeah, and you know, it it's, has some relevancy because Samuel Jackson is, you know... Uh, is he a black guy in this he, one? He is a black guy in this one, yeah. <laughs> normally he's white. Um, but he's, he's a black guy and lots of kind of southern people who are kind of still angry about the Civil War. And obviously... You know, in other contexts, they those people would throw about that word. Yeah. But in every in loads of movies, he just loves throwing it around. And I kind of feel like he might get a sort of power trip out of doing it. Um, 
So it's it's good, and I can appreciate it kind of almost from a distance. Like it's you know well filmed, um, good dialogue, like fun performances, and the second half is a lot more well paced. Mm. Um, but I was almost like I'm viewing it from a distance because you, you can't really connect with the characters that much. Um, you don't really like that. They're so thing. hateful. They are. They are relative. They're, they're fairly hateful. Um, but they all just kind of seem. You you just can't really connect with them, and even and there there are kind of both large discussions, as you would imagine, in you know post Civil War United States about race. You don't really get the feeling that Quentin Tarantino's Tarantino's actually trying to say something right. about it. He's just kind of making this film and dropping a bunch of different film references in it. Oh, okay. So it's a good film. I can appreciate it from the distance, but, but not it's, his best. But it's not one of his best, and it's classic. You know, late Tarantino, too long, too overindulgent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, enjoyable nonetheless. And it's not like Django where it's obvious you just cut out the last half an hour. It's like you could cut it down, you know, incrementally yeah. throughout the film. Like and you then, bridge it. Bridge it, and yeah. And it'll be fine. Yeah, you could bridge it and it'll be fine. And there's a moment in it where you come in out of the intermission and he's like, 15 minutes, and he, he's not in it, but he doesn't, I'm pretty sure he's the narrator, um, and he doesn't narrate for very long, he's like, 15 minutes have passed since, you know, I won't, I won't spoil it, but yeah. X dropped this bombshell. Um, Nicely done. And I'm like, oh, okay, is he is he actually, you know, not going to fill it in for us, is he going to leave it to our imaginations? He's like, wait, let's rewind and go back, go, oh, <laughs> god damn it, Quentin! <laughs> what, and then shows you the full 15 yeah. minutes? What a bastard. Yeah. Um, so enjoyable but, but flawed but flawed yeah nice I yeah. like that prefer Jackie Brown of course Jackie Brown's course. a le- uh, classic film yeah. and legend yeah well she is obviously she the is, character yeah. is a legend yeah. you can relate to it but um, thanks that was lovely well done nearly Thank fell you. off my chair it was so good um, right well what have we got next uh, oh Court this is another one that's uh, been pushed at me fairly hard um, but um, you might not have heard it you might have it's got loads of remixes. They're all terrible. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I think this one, the original version, is probably the best. Why they bothered doing remixes, I don't know. Publicity. But here you go. This is Caught with Part Of. Yeah, he's pretty oh, chunky. Like, oh, he? I don't think you'd be able to. Uh, oops. 
I don't think you'll be able to defend yourself very easily against that. But, right. but I think you'll be alright, Joe, because I bet you can run quite far. I'll tell you what, mate, if that eggs bunny was with him. What, is he a nutter? Yeah. Is he like real? Oh, mate. Really? Is he renowned? He's one of the faces, mate. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't like him, really. I mean, I've only, well, yeah, this is it. I've only met him a couple of times, but he just seems like an absolute crackpot, mate. I don't, well, I don't think I don't want to deal with that. That crash was nasty. Right, Joe. Finally. <laughs> I need to get in that tunnel. That's gonna be pretty tricky though. The camera is not very good. But if you get in there, you'd be such a hero. Oh, wrong side. It's really, so okay, yeah, it's really difficult to like um, maneuver. Get it straightened out, yeah. Can you stop in front of the <coughs> It's almost like you steer you away from it. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, no, he says he's gonna be here. Fifteen minutes? Fifteen minutes. Fifteen? Yeah. Yeah, very prompt. Oh, very prompt. Uh, because it's really good. You literally just asked him. Send um, what's his name, Brown, a text. Yeah. So just tell him that we found it or something else. Oh yeah. That way he can't get pissed off. You did it right, Brandon? Yeah. Honestly, it, it's like the easiest job in the world, and yet they still fuck it up. Yeah, just text him. Yeah. I just said it's cool, down to a wire map. You're listening to Sure Ditch Radio. SureDitchRadio.co.uk. Joe, do you want to excuse that? To the, oh, I don't think I can't to the people. Excuse, it. I excuse it at all. Yeah, that so was um, staying hot. I think is is what it's called. That's that. As you probably noticed, was a mashup between the Bee Gees' "Staying Alive" and Nelly's "Hot in Here." Um, and I was in Copenhagen um, weekend before this one currently because we record on a Sunday and broadcast on a Tuesday. It fucking blew your mind, didn't it? Um, so I, I was <laughs> sitting in a cocktail bar because we went out for my cousin's birthday. Um, emphasis on the cock. Yeah, emphasis on the cock. And I was, you know, a few a few drinks in, and this came on. I had the like, the, the Bee Gees, you know, the beat, the classic Stone Life beat, and then you hear Nelly's like, uh, uh, I'm like, wait, what, what's about to play? <laughs> and it played <laughs> out, and I, it blew my mind. Whether that was just being combination of like fairly pissed um, and like somewhat cock drunk uh, yeah exactly from you know from all those cocktails I'd been having yeah uh, yeah I, I actually <laughs> oh, first man. listen I, I really enjoyed it probably less so now but I, I still think it, it worried I think it's one of the better mashups I've heard in a while it's interesting it's interesting uh, granted it's perhaps not something I personally would have chosen but um, it's, thank you it's the late night niche it's, you know, thank it's, you for graced us with that we were just saying um in the studio that it kind of sounds like something that you might hear played really really loud um at like a holiday resort where everyone's like smashed and falling over each other and i think 
you know, we need more of that on the show. Yeah, yeah. More 18 to 35 holiday resort orgy songs. Yeah, like Chunder in the face. Yeah. Condoms stuck to the flip-flop. Yeah. Yeah, love it. I've been on loads of those holidays. (laughs) Too many. Yeah. So many. I'm really cool like that. Right, well, uh, we're getting pretty close to um, that being an hour. Um, wow. Which is crazy. So if you're if you're listening live on Tuesday evening, it will. Well be... done. Thank you for staying with us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you you are better than me. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll stick it on. Listen to about five minutes. And be like, who are these assholes? This is awful. This is dog shit. And then that staying hot by Nelly comes on and saves it. And I'm like invigorated for a second hour. Um, I'm actually kind of like miserable now after that a little bit. I'm like down. Are you, is it has it offended you that much? It's not even like offended me. I don't think it's just kind of it's like hurt me. Has it sullied the memory of Robin Gibb for you? <laughs> so, well, maybe I don't know if they were ever my favourite necessarily. Anyway, but um, we've uh, still got some exciting stuff for you. Hopefully, uh, coming up, we've got my long ass book review of. Um, how can I not remember it? I've spent so much time listening peace. to it. War and Peace, yeah. Because uh, loads of you will have listened to it um, on the... Listened to it on the TV. Watched it on the TV. If recently. you're blind, you would have listened to it on the TV. Of course, yeah. Um, well, you would have listened to it on the TV, even if you can see, naturally. Uh, true. Um, but, um, you know, you've been watching it on the telly, on the BBC adaptation that's been out recently. Um, and I thought, well, to hell with that, I'm going to get stuck into the book. I actually started it before the, the TV show came out. My dad informed me after I mentioned that I was going through it. Um, we've also got Life's Amazing. Hopefully we're going to call James um, very shortly, um, get hold of him uh, after another couple of tunes. And uh, then we've got some some more songs for you. We've got a bit of Ray Lamontagne. Yeah. Uh, some Apathy um, for you rap heads out there, the hip-hop crew, uh, Bombay Bicycle Club, um, some Kendrick Lamar and... Uh, you know, obviously, me and Joe having loads of fun yeah. in the studio. And hopefully you two at home. Yay. Or where, you know, wherever you are, you could be on a tube. Could be or... on the tube, yeah. Because you can, of course, listen to this as a podcast. Oh, my God, yeah. I just saw a mouse. Are you joking me? <laughs> We're in the rickety studio. Check, <laughs> check out the Facebook. <laughs> check out the Facebook. You'll see a picture. It's, it's really that bad. And I just saw a mouse crawl from behind that bag with the checkers on it to behind these pictures over here. It like, could be anywhere. We'll give you live mouse updates. Yeah, if I see it again, I'll let you know. Um, but uh, <laughs> before that, we've got uh, Kendrick Lamar with you. You. <laughs> intense but i think it's got you know a message behind it like a lot of kendrick lamar songs and what is that message yeah that song's about depression yeah well it certainly made me depressed um well now it's uh life's amazing um obviously i'm not going to do the jingle that james would normally do perhaps we'll ask him to do it but first of all we'll try and get hold of him obviously uh, if you've been listening already you know that he's at home poorly or ostensibly poorly um so we'll try ringing him we did get through to him a second ago but uh that was after some attempts Oh, styling. Buenas noches. <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you feeling? Hello, guys. Uh, I'm all right. I've clogged up a bit. I took some uh, diarrhea tablets and I clogged myself up a bit. <laughs> Excellent. I'm really glad to hear it. <laughs> Hi, listeners. <laughs> Did you eat something dodgy last night? No, I just think it's been, I don't know, it was pretty fucked up. My system's been a bit iffy. I got rid of my piles and then I... (laughs) So open, I like it. Yeah, someone has to do it. But yeah, how's it going? Everything going all right? Yeah, pretty well. Um, I mean, obviously trying to like hold down lunch with you talking about your inflated anal uh, veins (laughs) is pretty difficult. But um, apart from that, it's all going pretty well. We're uh, just about to do Life's Amazing. Hopefully you've got something for us. 
tabloids, I think. Probably the best way to describe them. Nice, okay. That's definitely not a BBC uh, trademark there. But um, do you want to do us the, the little jingle first? Life is amazing. Awesome. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> right, then. Uh, yeah, fill us in. What have you got? Okay, um, I'll start with my first fun fact. Um, a person's yearly fast food intake, within that, there are 12 pubic hairs. Is that it? Well, there's only no, 12. I've got other ones. I've got other facts. No, no, I meant only okay, 12 so, so hairs. Wait, can, can we recap? So, is this like an average person? An average person's fast food intake contains 12 pubic hairs. Yeah. So, people who eat loads of fast food will have, More, you know, presumably. maybe 18 pubic hairs. Yes, the question is, why do you have pubic hair in fast food? Like, you never actually put your... Like, I wouldn't put my cock in a deep fry, fat fryer, do you know what I mean? Like... Really? Unless I get not... paid a million pounds. <laughs> oh, mate, can we have a whip round? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we need to start a GoFundMe. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, no, I do know what you mean. Like, there's really no need for the bun to be anywhere near your, you know, genitals, so... Um, pra- I don't know, perhaps it's like in the... Are they human pubic hairs? Presumably so. I believe so, they're, yeah. They're not just like left over from when the cow was a cow and it just had like a bit of a, you know, you know, some fluff Incident. there. Yeah. They didn't cut it up properly. Perhaps. But yeah, no, it is disturbing. Thank you. Um, obviously, I won't ever eat fast food again. Until Yeah, that made later. me think a bit about eating and stuff like that. Maybe question my decision-making in life and... Maybe fast food isn't for me. Are you sure? Any other thing. But yeah. I hear it makes good floss. Um, <laughs> so, have you got like another another sort of small piece of factual information for us? We won't call it a, yeah, a I've got, factual. Yeah, I think I've got two more. Okay. So I could do two more. Well, Native Americans, I'm aware when of they gave birth to their infant children. Okay, is this, is this all child. of them or just one specific tribe? Do you know? No, no, this is, this is a done thing. This is a tradition amongst them all. Okay. That they would, in order to name their child, once they had left the teepee post having given birth, the first thing that they saw would be what they'd name their child. Okay. To explain such names as Sitting Bull, Running Waters, Two Dogs Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that? That's quite a good one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm impressed in your delicate <laughs> state. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Are there I actually any records of like ridiculous, you know, Native American names? Do you know of? Um, well, what's his name? Hanging tree and shit like that. There was loads of them. That yeah, just that's had weird names. <laughs> but but not quite as bad as that. So alcoholics. Not wait, every single one. Some of them are incredibly wealthy casino owners. Um, <laughs> but thank you for that. Obviously. Um, Perhaps now we'll go over to Joe. I don't know what you've uh, been thinking of this week, Joe. Yeah, um, well, I feel it's slightly relevant in the past couple episodes where we've had both you, Ill, um, and yourself, James, that there seems to be um, a slightly odd curse around former cast members of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Okay. Um, So I'll start off with Toy Trang, who was... Which colour was he? She, she. <laughs> was the very first Yellow Ranger. She was on the show from 1993 to 94. She was in... Uh, was she of like, East Asian descent? She was, yeah. That, isn't that a bit... Well, I was thinking that myself, yeah. Okay, right, yeah. go on. It was the early 90s. We haven't moved. Yeah. Um, so she was in 81 episodes, um, which is a lot, considering Power Rangers used to like, chop and change their, their season and their theming a lot. Um, but unfortunately, in 2001, she was in a pretty gnarly car crash where um, a car, the car slammed into a roadside cliff, flipped several times, and then went over the guardrail, and she was killed at the age of 27. That's pretty horrific. And the passenger in there was uh, was paralysed and rendered a quadriplegic. That's, you know, just just one instance. You're thinking, God, this is... That's pretty sad. But, that's you pretty know, quite sad. But, alone, it, but it's, these, a, it's these, a tragedy. These things happen. Um... Unfortunately, young people pass away. A car is a dangerous thing to get into. Um, but what, you ask, about Ernie, who is the happy, jolly owner of the Angel Grove Youth Centre. <laughs> oh, yeah. The <laughs> large guy who wore Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, he actually took it upon himself in 1997 and left the show and was like, he needed to sort out some, some health issues. All right. Um, he needed to lose some weight and quit smoking. And he actually, he lost 40 pounds. But, Pretty good. Um, he died of a heart attack in 2008 at the age of 47. Shit. His family's home. So, again, but, you know, if he, if he was quitting the show because of health issues... Um, it might be something that you'd expect. That well, it might be something you'd expect, yeah. yeah. Um, but... That's not all. When someone died and someone else died, that's what... And then is it first or something? Am I, am I barking up the wrong tree here? No. So, you will definitely remember... Do you remember Zordon? Mm-hmm. The, I never watched Power Rangers. Well, this means... I think you're a bit young. Yeah. Well, Zordon was the big talking face. It was like, Rangers, this is what you must do. Who was played by Robert L. Manahan, who died of a heart attack as well at the age of 43. So, they're all, like, below 50. Mm. Um... So you know oh, that's that, that's another another reasonably young death. <laughs> Did you say what I think you said, James? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, then there was Machigo Soga, who played a really weird villain. You probably remember her. Um, she's called Rita Repulsa, and she talked like this. Mm-hmm. You probably, if you saw it's a picture, classic. it's a classic. She died of pancreatic cancer at the age of sixty-eight. Um, oh, of course, he was getting on a bit. Yeah. Then Peter Rutter, who played the Mystic White Ranger, died of a brain tumour at age 50. Oh, and there's Edward Albert, who played Red Ranger's father, Mr. Collins, who died of lung cancer at 55. We still haven't hit 70 yeah. yet. Um, to be fair, it was only in the 90s. It was only in the 90s, yeah. But then the Red Ranger from Power Rangers Wild Force killed his roommate with a sword. Yes. Um, <laughs> kind of roommate murders. Yeah, he's pleading self-defense, but he has admitted to the act he's, of Is killing. he the one? Oh no, he's not the same one that, um, like attacked his own grandmother or something as well. I don't know. If you kill your roommate with a sword, it might melt, might well be the same one. Um, and there's uh, another guy who is kind of more of a, a bit part um, character who. Is like a full-on psychopath and admitted to um, a double murder when he posed as a buyer of a yacht in Arizona and killed the couple who were selling it to him and dropped them off an anchor um, from the boat and also admitted to another murder in 2003. That's just a sample. I'll go on for too long, but I don't know <laughs> well, what... there are more, are there? There are more weird deaths. Holy cow. And, yeah, so... So what? Don't... Like, if anybody offers you a part in the Power Ranger remake, don't, yeah. don't d- do it. Don't, don't do it. Because there will be some sort of reboot wankery. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there probably is already. Yeah. So, you know... In fact, just... actually, there's definitely a trailer. There's definitely a trailer for a, a Power Rangers reboot on YouTube. Look it up. Um, oh, that's fucking ridiculous. I put it on the Facebook thing. I'm not sure it's for real. I think it might be uh, some of the old Power Rangers cast getting back together to try and uh, rekindle their, you know... <clears throat> stardom, shall we call it, even though nobody yeah. had a bloody clue who they were because they were dressed in gimp suits. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's out there somewhere. Well, thanks, Joe. That's lovely. And, uh, James, you've got one more for us before we, we uh, let you go. Yeah, OK. Um, we've all heard of Boko Haram. Yep. Indeed. The famed Nigerian celebrities that they are. Um, or terrorist group, eight... you know, either one. Yeah, depending on your viewpoint, I suppose. Go on. Yeah. Well, in a village, I believe in Nigeria or in Somalia, um, because it's, I don't know the name of it. <laughs> Somewhere. Uh, I read about this. They're not very close to each other. Apparently, um, in order to combat the threat of Boko Haram, um, the Christians have been uh, protecting the mosques when the, the Muslims are in prayer, because the village is split between Christians and Muslims and stuff like that. Yeah. And the Muslims are protecting the churches, while the Christians are in prayer in church and stuff like that, and at the moment they've stopped seven attacks really? against That's... the village. Nice. That that is that is what the theme of this feature should really be: less Power Rangers, mysterious deaths, and uplifting, you know, life-affirming yeah. stuff like that that people can come together. Um, and despite not, differences, despite differences, and despite people trying to goad them into violence or yeah. wild generalizations. Um, Either way, that's that's lovely. Uh, that's really lifted my my faith in humanity. Actually, yeah, thanks for that, James. And uh, obviously, right. keep up the good work, all you uh, villagers, wherever you are <laughs> in Africa. <laughs> Using bows and arrows against machine guns, apparently. Really? Yeah, it's 
can we get can we try and get the movie rights to this? That, yeah, I know that is like Hollywood. Like no, but the only problem is Oscar's so white, so they're not, never going to get recognised. True, very true. I suppose is they're not like some. Can we? I'm pretty sure there's like a burgeoning... What what you do is make the protagonist white, like Blood Diamond, and then it'll get... Ah, yeah, nice. So we'll cast myself or Marshall Machine Gun Preacher. Yeah, as we go over there, and we'll organise all the Christians and Muslims, so then we'll we'll get... Yeah, like like sort of a saviour figure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, yeah, we'll talk more about it later. Cheers, James. All right, guys, look after yourselves. Yeah, you take care. Seriously. Hello, Delroy. Look after yourself, mate. Cheers, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Right, love you, bye. Thank you. Well, that was uh, obviously James Creeper there, um, our usual co-host, suffering with apparently uh, vomiting and diarrhoea and also piles. (laughs) I'm not sure how those three... No. Yeah. Whatever. Um, But uh, thanks for that, Joe, and uh, obviously thanks to James for Life's Amazing. Um, Now, a little tune for you, uh, Bombay Bicycle Club. Can't even remember what it's called. You probably know it. It's pretty famous, I think. Oh, she can wait for what I can give She knows what I am, but she won't believe me Is it all okay? Will I come up to like this? I can't believe it It's always like this, 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 like this You're listening to Shoreditch Radio ShoreditchRadio.co.uk Shotgun not being the one that has to deal with it. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
that's it. What do you want to do with it? You text him. This is what you want to do. Why should we room for you when it's off your phone? Yeah, you barely know him anyway. It doesn't matter if you piss him off. He'll just be like an annoying kid kind of thing. Whereas I actually have picked up him quite a few times and been out of him a couple of times. Yeah, but he knows you, wouldn't he? He would I just don't want to annoy him. Joe just did it. Generous to their friends, and I don't want to piss him off. Right, Joe, just text him. Yeah, alright. Right, done. What did you say? I said, don't worry about it, mate. We're sorted. Alright. <laughs> See how this goes. Exactly, Joe, it's fine. Creeper says he's a bit like, uh, what was he said earlier? Like a creepy guy. What? That's bacon, yeah. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, but I reckon he could handle himself still. I don't what, think he's even got to worry about eggs yet. What? So you're sure I should worry about bacon more? Well, yeah, if you were having a threat, he'd be the immediate one. I'm just saying he knows eggs. If you wanted to get him killed, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to probably come to that, is it? Yeah, mate, well, <clears throat> now we've got it, we may as well go for a fucking. Split, what do you reckon? Yeah, we'll wait long right. yeah exactly. Yeah, fuck it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd say Joe make it, but... I, uh, I don't want to ruin everyone else. Yeah, I don't think... <laughs> I don't think it's worth us waiting all that time and getting it, and then you fuck it up. Yeah, I'll Listening to Short Ditch Radio. ShortDitchRadio.co.uk. Did that leave you apathetic, Marshall? Uh, no, it's not really about that. Um, but it was apathy um, with a song called No Sad Tomorrow. Um, quite a good rapper, actually. Uh, if you listen to the song, um, then you'll know. Which you just did. Wow, just shot me down there, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> yeah, because you haven't listened to it. Um, but uh, yeah, come to the stage now where um, instead of James's album review, because um, as we know, he's uh, you know off sick with um, anal bleeding, with piles, diarrhea, and vomiting. Yeah, um, it's me doing a book review of uh, the critically acclaimed War and Peace. Yeah, it's it's uh, is that a recent book that's come out? Um, no, actually. Is it not? Oh, no, okay. no, uh, oh, it's, it's... Enlighten me. Yeah, well, it was written by um, a, a guy who's known, basically, as Leo Tol- Tolstoy. But, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. He had a much more Russian name than that, um, in fact, and he was a count. I didn't actually know that. Yeah, Count oh, Tol- okay. Tolstoy. Right. Um, but um, it's basically, if, you're, if you've been watching the TV show, um, then you'll know, but um, for anyone else, it's basically a, a book kind of chronicling the um, 1805 uh, Napoleonic War, and then um, the later invasion of Russia um, in 1812 by the French army. Um, it's pretty and gnarly. Yeah, and they're like Polish and um, German compatriots in order to try and, I don't know, defeat Russia and do God knows what. Try and get to Moscow, basically, which they did do, um, but then they turn around and run away. Um, Historically, invading Russia hasn't been a, a great... Thing. It's not a great thing to do but they could have they could have probably done it better um which i think is um you know because i won't go deeply into uh, the history of it or anything like that because obviously that could take quite a long time but um a big part of i think what tolstoy is trying to say about the whole um situation is that they probably could have won um in russia um had napoleon been a genius um as he is basically a claim to be or certainly was at the time because he was writing the book about 60 years later than this so it would have been his grandfather's generation um who fought in the the 1812 invasion um but there's several kind of themes to the book it's written in um sort of a strange way it's kind of um historical fiction so he's taken uh just about 200 or sort of between 150 and 200 characters from reality 
Um, and yeah, it's a pretty pretty dense book. Um, but um, he's taken um, all of these characters and all of these um, like real life events. Um, he's obviously read all of the histories um, and basically all of the correspondence and all of the um, I don't know bi biographies, autobiographies um, of the the main people involved, and then has used that to kind of create. Um, and, and paint this kind of narrative around it. Um, now the story obviously like follows a bunch of um, aristocratic young people um, throughout this kind of period of history. They start off sort of 2025, 20, by the end of the book, they're well into their 30s. Um, but he kind of uses this um, in, a, in a twofold way. I think firstly, um, he tries to make it really engaging, which he does, he's fantastic um, at basically making the characters kind of come alive, like the way that he actually brings out the, the personality of the characters mm. um, is pretty special and I think um, it's a big part of the reason why it's you know accepted as kind of a classic um, but then he's also trying to put forward basically a, a historical thesis of what he believes to be the right way to study history um, and the, the right way to view um, the cause of events throughout history. And what is that? Well I won't spoil it for you but mm. Basically, um, he looks at the way that histories, conventional histories at that time were written. Basically, so you'd have somebody from France who wrote a history of the conflict, then they'd essentially just be biased on France's side. Um, and they obviously would have a counterpart, like a Russian counterpart, who would do the same thing. And their idea was, essentially it was power that moved nations. Um, but his argument, firstly, is that, well, how can it be the power of one individual that moves a nation when the moving of the nation entails, you know, literally hundreds of thousands of people traveling thousands and thousands, you know, ten th tens of thousands of miles to slaughter one another, um, like en masse, and then tens of hundreds of thousands of people going 10,000 10, miles the other direction to go and slaughter people, you know, east to west, west to east kind of thing. And it, he's saying, well, how is that really down to, um, you know, one guy, in one guy yeah, in, in an office in Paris or in a tent at the top of the battlefield or whatever. When, as anybody who's ever been in a war knows, um, and especially a war of that nature where you're fighting in columns and you have like a line and you know you march into battle and like fire your muskets and whatever, that person sitting in the tent drawing up the plans and the disposition of the troops beforehand is certainly in not, no better position to govern the outcome of the battle than that soldier who's on his feet at the front line who either sees the flag go down and picks it up and charges on or sees the flag goes down and screams it's all over we've lost and causes all of his friends to think the same and run away um so he's basically saying that 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 doesn't make sense um then he's also looking at kind of a more universal history um point of view where you know somebody will look at um the history from the point of view of all the different like nations involved and then they'll kind of have this idea that perhaps yeah okay maybe not power um is something that drives forward events but um, perhaps it's kind of the influence of all of these people around so yeah mm. okay it wouldn't be napoleon but it would be napoleon plus all of his advisors mm. and all of their advisors but then it, that kind of doesn't add up to the sum of you know millions of people mm. who are affected by this so then they have to fall back on the power argument again and say well they all together had power over those people to make them do such and such so he rejects that as well um and then looks at the intellectual side so people people then start to say at this time in history <clears throat> that it was kind of ideas that might be the thing that like moved nations just like motivated people on an individual basis yeah but at the same time then he's saying well the thing that we can all accept about ideas is that somebody's ideas that you read in a book no one two people are going to take them the same way and certainly mm. a million people aren't going to take them you know and, and lots of them you know especially like the russians lots of the serfs couldn't even read you know what i mean uh, let alone read in a language that that was written in, say French, if you're talking about Rousseau's work or something like that. Mm. How can an idea like that that's written in a language they can't read in a book that they don't even have access to have made them do anything? So then he kind of forms his own hypothesis on it. But in doing so, he weaves this amazing narrative um, where he's you know following these, these young people um, throughout their lives in Russia. And you really get such an in-depth, not only a feeling of... Um, the kind of spirit of the time and of the Russian aristocracy and everything that like, you know, happened in Russia at that, that period um, and the kind of interplay of, of people. But the thing that he does so well um, is 
to show these people as people um, and the kind of philosophical journey that a lot of them go on, um, you know, because they're, they're young, they're starting off, they're going out to fight a war or whatever. Um, they're in the battle for the first time. You know, you're smelling the gunpowder for the first time. You're getting shot at for the first time. That's obviously going to evoke quite a lot of emotion in you mm. and quite a lot of feeling. Then at the same time, you know, you might like meet somebody that you love. That obviously evokes a lot of th- feelings in you. Then that person might die. You know, p- loads of people died quite young back then or died in childbirth, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and all of these things he conjures together in such a way to make you really relate to the characters and try and see things from their point of view. All 150. But, but well, no, because there's only about a main cast of about six or seven. Okay. Um, but they live in a world that's populated by all of these real-life characters. Um, but in doing that and in conjuring together this world, he basically pulls you in and makes you feel these emotions and these uh, understand these philosophical arguments to a certain extent. But then those philosophical arguments, even though they've been you know, ostensibly thought up by the individual characters each lend themselves to his final conclusion at the end of the book, which I won't kind of spoil, but it's like his conclusion on history and what drives people. And it's, it's pretty interesting, um, you know, not even for a historian. I'm not like big on mm. history or whatever, but it's interesting just as to be, you know, a, a human being alive anywhere. You know, now we see people like Donald Trump coming to power or whatever in America or trying to, um, and you might sit and watch it and see all these people, you know, he's got the podium, it says Trump for veterans or whatever on it, and he's talking to these, you know, people in America, and they're all screaming for him, and you're well, thinking, you're well, what? Yeah, why? Out of 20,000. Yeah, why? And and then, also, how much power would he have if he was actually elected to be, you know, the executive branch of the US government, mm. etc.? And it's quite an interesting way of helping you to like, see those things, even in contemporary times, um, as perhaps more what they are rather than what they appear you know yeah it seems like donald trump is running for president but at the same time by him running for president doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to have any more power or he's going to be able to do anything just like obama wasn't necessarily able to do anything i mean obviously that's like a more of a symptom of the american system as well um but in terms of you know any one person affecting the course of history he's essentially saying that it's not really um you know the people that you think it is that affect history. Um, and it's the things happening in the day-to-day lives and in the homes of those individuals who are standing there in that crowd screaming for Donald Trump. That is the thing that's you know driving history along. Um, it's the force of the swarm rather than the force of the individual. Um, but yeah, it's a good book. I definitely recommend reading it. Do okay. what I did, get the audio book. It's only, it's only read, 60 hours. Who read it? <laughs> who read it? Oh, some guy who was terrible. He was so posh, but at the same time, because it's all about aristocrats, it kind of lent itself slightly to the mood of it. But I know Laura tried to listen to it and did about five minutes and couldn't get past his voice because he's super irritating. But it's taken so long to record. I've been, I've you know, yeah. sat in on audiobook recordings and they fucking take ages. Well, yeah, because you make one little slip up and you've got to like do the whole yeah, section exactly. again. Yeah, and exactly. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, I think towards the end of it, you can hear bits certainly on this recording where they've gone like cut bits in you know they've yeah. listened back to it and been like oh well we could redo the chapter and he's like no it's not that it's like, I'll just do like two words yeah. yeah and you like hear the levels change and then come back again but um, I, I understand his plight it's like 60 odd hours so but um, definitely give it a read because um, you're not going to at all take in the kind of uh, the scale and um, the sort of overall meaning um, just through the TV show although I am assured it is quite good um, but yeah there you go. Hopefully that was uh, somewhat on par with one of James's uh, super invigorated album reviews, but um, yeah, I think possibly it's, not. it's definitely the, a similar style. Well, good. I'm glad you think so. Yeah. Super boring. I didn't say like as many times as he does. No. Or, uh, or, uh. Or, uh. <laughs> yeah, there was no tapping or rubbing of legs, but um, we'll go on to something um, just as fun for you now. Uh, Ray Lamontagne with Jolene. Listening to Sure Ditch Radio. SureDitchRadio.co.uk. Jolene. 
right, well, that sounded like uh, it might have been Paul Simon, um, but... It was actually Ray LaMontagne. Oh, it was Ray LaMontagne. Yeah, was, I didn't yeah. catch the end of it. Yeah, um, it was. Okay, well, good, because that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> that was the what's now becoming a weekly evening wind-down show. Uh, yeah, song, mellow my... you out after my like pretty mellow book review. If you're not asleep already, that would have really knocked you the fuck out. Um, but that's all from us this week. Um, hopefully we'll be back in two weeks uh, with Joe. Don't forget to get the podcast. Um, listen to us on um, whatever, SoundCloud. MizCloud, iTunes. Um, we're also on Facebook, Podcast Twitter. Addict. Oh my God. Podcast Republic. It's disgusting. Such yeah. media whores. Right, well, uh, as I said, that's all from us. So uh, goodbye from me, uh, Chris Marshall. Goodbye from me, Jodie and Stevens. And hopefully we'll have three people here. Next week, but I might just par it off to uh, keep up. <laughs> yes, this. just to be ill. Why not? Yeah. Just sit home and get blazed or something. Right. Um, yeah. Peace out. Thanks for joining us. Um, Paul Simon next with uh, Still Crazy. What a lovely song. After all for you lovers. <laughs> Still crazy